welcome to another installment of Disciple Life, the Bible and Everyday Life. Today is a very special episode for one simple reason. Instead of getting two for one, you get three for one, and it's a great upgrade. I'm sorry. You have, yeah, you have <laughs> Sydney, our trusty sidekick. Well, not really. She's more like the female version of what? Are you DC or are you like Marvel? Which one is your favorite? I like both. Okay, so Wonder Woman. Uh, and then here we have Pastor Dan, Captain America? No. No? Thor. Wow. Okay, no comment. And I'm just a funky Mexican. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. As you can see, today's going to be very light and loose. Why are you laughing? <laughs> you realize I do all of the the, the like the body doubles for Chris Hemsworth, right? She's, she's picturing you with beautiful locks of hair. Except I wasn't. I wasn't in the the end game right so i wasn't the 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 depressed thor i was in all the other thor movies <laughs> right okay. okay so uh yes i feel like you would be iron man <laughs> no comment <laughs> anyway so uh on sunday we heard a message that came from colossians 2 chapter not colossians chapter 2 sorry you're saying versus, i don't have the body of a god <laughs> anyway. verses 6 through 7 uh, let me get out of the chat in case the Holy Spirit, you know, strikes someone down. Um, and so we learned about overflowing joy and two verses, which I have to say for those in our audience, if you have gone to seminary or learned how to do sermon prep, it's easier to do sermon prep on five or more verses, not so much on two verses. So Pastor Dan, why don't you give us uh, a few insights about your preparation for Sunday. I read it. You read it. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen, somebody. No, so, I mean, sermon prep, it's, man, it's a, it's, it's a matter of, of continuing to read God's Word in context. So it's, th these are not two verses that are taken in isolation. Um, they're, they're two verses that come as, as Paul has been building towards making an argument that I would suggest in verses 6 and 7 is, is the point of the letter of Colossians. Hmm. Um, we have to keep in mind why he's been writing to them. Um, this is a, a new Christian church that um, has received the, the gospel proclamation that Christ is king. Um, and right after that, they have false teachers coming in who are saying, you need to return to the law of Moses. Um, and so, you know, he has started the letter by his normal expression of salutation that you find in first century letters. Um, and he makes known very quickly, uh, you know, who is Jesus? Who, who, is it the, who is the one to whom you have pledged allegiance? Who is the one who has redeemed you? And then he goes on to say, and by the way, this Christ that you received, we have labored a long time and struggled and are now suffering uh, as we are conformed to his image and are identified as his. Um, so in all of that, that takes us right into verse 6 where he says, so you've received him. You've received this faith. Uh, you've received this identification with the Messiah of God, who is Jesus of Nazareth. Hmm. And so if you've received him, then you've got to walk in him. Um, and so it's, uh, I guess, in, in preparing for that, it's not to just say, 
you know, you read it and it's like, oh, hey, you, so you receive Christ Jesus, so you walk in him and you move away. It's, it's looking at this and understanding that there is depth to meaning that, that, doesn't, um, that doesn't just stand or sit in isolation. You know, it's coming on the heels of what Paul has said preceding this, but also, you know, what, what, what does this mean for 2,000 years of church history that we are inheritors of? Mm. Um, so to mean that we've received Christ, that we walk in him, that he has done the work upon each of us as he's called us to faith in him, that to root us in him, to build us up in him, to establish us in this faith, all through which we've been taught. And because of that, we have joy. Mm. Um, so anyway, it, it was a, it was an effort in seeking to understand just what really thinking as a grammarian would, what these verbs mean, um, both in the context of this letter and historically within the church. Mm. I like that. All right, Sydney, so I have a question for you. Having heard what Pastor Dan just shared, and I know you were present at least, if not for all, both services, for one service, um, do you have any insights or some takeaways from Sunday sermon that blessed you? Well, She's going to go with the Heinz Feet quote because that's like her favorite book. I didn't even think of that. It, oh. it is one of my favorite books. Okay. And now a plug-in from our sponsors. <laughs> I think the, the author of that book is probably dead, so I don't know if I'd be a... Anyways. I was talking about Topo Chico. Anyway, continue. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um... I thought it was awesome. Um, while you're speaking, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I thought you just looked at me and Carlos and were like, oh, they're, they're messing up right here this week. I'm going to tear them apart in my sermon. Because I just remember sitting there and being like, oh, that's really convicting. But I love how she, she, she <laughs> used me as a padding for that. I what, did. Judgment. What, what did y'all do last week? That, like, do um, we need to have a, a do we need to have like an employee meeting or something? No, I've I mean, just gotten okay. in the habit of whenever something happens, just send it to Carlos. <laughs> oh, it was Carlos's thing. Oh, okay, got it. So I'm the fall guy. I'm, I'm the scapegoat. No, you often say just if you have any complaints, just send it to Carlos at FBC Divine. And That's so right. I've. Talk, send them your way. Times. I haven't received many, so we must be doing something right. Hmm. Or people are just really shy. But anyway, <laughs> so any special takeaways from the, the sermon? Other than the convicting that we sometimes lack joy. Um, I thought it was really fitting for uh, just the audience and the amount of people there. Um, I was really encouraged that... Um, that was a hard sermon to preach, in my opinion. And you went right out the gates with talking about something that brings a lot of, um, it's hard for people to talk about. Um, the sixth graders and the girls that are in school here are struggling with how do I answer these questions as a Christian for people that are identifying as transgender and all these different things. And so you went right out the gate confidently speaking upon the basis of scripture and what is truth. And I just thought that was very encouraging for those people sitting in the audience to see he firmly believes the gospel and he is preaching it. And it was edifying for myself and the people listening to you preaching the scripture on Sunday. I think to that point, it's very important for people to realize that 
we might we might not see the connective tissue between transgenderism and joy and the Christian faith. But if we understand, to Pastor Dan's point, point, if I remember correctly, if we do not know on whom we are and who defines us, then it's also very hard for us to know what true joy is. Mm. And we will find that in empty promises, empty uh, fulfillments, such as I can choose to be a boy or a girl. I can choose to dress as a boy or a girl. Uh, and by all means, if you're listening to this or watching this, this is not bashing you. We're speaking truth in love because if you are a human being, you're made in the image of God. And if you're made in the image of God, then there's one true source of joy. And to do this uh, type of uh, systematic preaching in a chain. What is that true sense, so, source of joy, Pastor Dan, according to what you taught us on Sunday? It's knowing that we, who, who has redeemed us, who has given us life in Him. It's Jesus. That is, that's joy. He is joy. Um, you know, I don't want to sound opportunist, but it, it's, you know, calling from what happened last week in Nashville just brings to brings to our minds once more that there is a, it's, I, I would consider it an age-old question, but it is a more commonly occurring question um, because I think there are just more people who are living lives absent the rule and reign of Christ. We're asking, who am I, all the time. Um, we're asking, what, who gives us our identity? And what we're finding more and more again is that when left to our own individual vices and trying to answer that question of who am I, we see the attempts at answering it in our own individual way being expressed in new or new and new and new and more and more ways, right? Um, the way I express my sexuality, the way I express my understanding of my gender, the way I might emphasize my race, not that um, you know, my, my God-given assignment as a male or my, my God-given assignment as a Caucasian or my, my birth in the United States are insignificant things that shape me as a person. But, but none of those things in and of themselves comprise my identity. And if, and if, I, if I make any one of those or even the, um, the compilation of them, um, to be where I draw and root my identity in, what I find in any of those or all of those is emptiness. Mm. Um, and so there, whether we're talking about the issue of transgenderism or we're talking about any of the other major cultural issues of this day, um, if, if we're rooting ourselves in those things, Sure, we may we may feel senses of happiness, but happiness doesn't persist, um, not and not in any way, right? Um, it's it's do are are we uh, is our identity defined by Christ who has redeemed us? That's that's ultimately what what the gospel is uh, seeking to affect within our lives for us to identify. Um, as his, or, for, or in other words, for him to give us our identity in him. Um, and anything else falls short. 
And so this this notion of receiving Christ Jesus, that means that, I mean, I, I debated with whether to, to talk about it in these terms, um, but I think maybe here's a, a, a form that I, maybe there's room for this. But it's this idea, um, I'm a sports guy, and I, I find myself struggling with how often I want to talk about sports and messages. But in the sense of receiving Christ, I mean, it, we're, it, if we remember from the, the message, it wasn't about whether we've been called into the new covenant, whether he's given faith to us. It's not, it's not that, but it's have we in the relationship between faith and obedience mm. acted in obedience in response to the faith that we've been given that we are now identifying as his. Right. And so that, that comes through baptism. Right. In other words, uh, making this sports analogy, have we put on the jersey is what it comes down to, right? Have we, mm. Has the jersey been put on? Um, and the, 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 what follows from there is, you know, if, if the jersey's on, then you know, thinking about football, I guess because I miss it right now, um, you know, you, when you're in the huddle with your teammates, you can tell who's on your team because they're all wearing the jersey. Right. Um, you can tell who's been in, who's been practicing with you and understands the game plan because it's Jesus who's calling in the plays, right? Or if you want, he's quarterback, whatever it might be. Um, but in other words, he's the one who's in charge on the field. Um, and the rest of us are running our routes as he's given us ability and assignments to do. But if there's someone who's not wearing the uniform and we're supposed to be going down the field this way and there's you know, some fool who's running down the opposite direction like his head's cut off and he's not wearing the uniform, he hasn't received Christ. Right. Not in this way, right? Right. He's not walking in Christ. He may have been in the stadium. He may have had a chili dog that gave him, you know, some sort of acid reflux that thinks he had a, an experience and he's run out into the field. <laughs> And wants to be part of the team because, you know, the team just scored a major touchdown or something. But he's not, he's not received Christ. He's not part of the team. He hasn't put on the uniform. He's not, he doesn't know the game plan. Or, or we could even go to a, a dated uh, reference. It's a Civil War type of reference, wearing deep blue pants and, and a gray coat, getting shot at by both sides of the field. Yeah. Uh, it's the same concept. And, and by the way, that, that is actually spiritually apt. To the Christian life, when we are like the church in Laodicea, right? You warned us about that not that long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you either are you're either striking hot or you are sharply cold, but you cannot be lukewarm. And so it's the lukewarm that does not do anything good for anybody. It's the same thing as say someone who says I'm a Christian, but the signs of obedience are not present. The the gift of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, is not present. And so you can definitely get shot from both sides, uh, so, so to say, in a spiritual reality like that. Because we're dealing with, for example, I know people who are very uncomfortable in church, but yet they claim to be Christ followers. Does that make any sense? I guess without context, I'm I'm not exactly sure. But I mean, if we're if we're if we are Christ's and we're coming before Him to render praise and worship and thanksgiving to Him, I'm not sure why there would be a discomfort in that. Right, and and it's just in a general sense. It's also something similar in people who say, "Well, I'm spiritual but not religious." People who say, "Well, I have a relationship with God, but I don't have to put on the jersey, show up to practices, show up to team to the to the actual games." And, and I can still say I'm part of the team. That also reminds me of the book by Kyle Eidelman, uh, not, not a, a fan. fan. 
And so what what is the big thing is God did not call us to be fans, but he called us to be, I think, playing on sports called you to be a player. So instead of just being someone who's there. Yeah, or to, to, to follow. Right. Right, not just, not just be a fan. But there's lots of fans of Jesus these days. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where that came from. Um, that's where that started, at least, with the identity issues bringing us to, our, have we actually identified with the one who we claim is going to save us uh, when we stand before him? Right. And if we have, then that then it's incumbent upon us to walk in him, um, which brings in every respect of if you're wearing the jersey, you you everything that comes with wearing the jersey, if you like, means you're now representing the team. Right. Um, and while, yes, we start from grace, um, and there's the, the sins that we've yet to commit, and we will after we've um, come to faith and after we've received him, are forgiven uh, through his atonement on the cross. There's still this sense of that, we just don't get to make grace cheap and be like, okay, I'm saved, and then continue still living like hell um, or the devil, if you will. Um, there's, there, there is this sense that if the Spirit is within us and the Spirit is doing a work to make us more like Jesus, um, sometimes I don't like quoting some of these one-liners that you hear espoused from pulpits, but there's a truth to this. If we've been saved, it's not that we're going to be sinless, but we should be fine that we're sinning less. Right. right? Um, and so it's, uh, I struggle with that, right? I mean, I struggle with, not, not in a judgmental way, but just the sense that, you know, I, I can pray a prayer and I can go, go on continue living the way I was. And there, you, 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 you cannot on the basis of Scripture say, I've encountered the risen king. Um, and not experience transformation. I think that's the main point from your message, yeah. in the sense of we cannot claim that I'm still going to, and again, this is just an example of things that we see in society and culture. We cannot say we follow Jesus and still be vulgar in the way we express ourselves because we are told that we should not allow foul language to come out of our mouths because with the same mouth we praise God. Um, in the same manner, we are told to be discerning that we do not offend those who are younger. And so we, we don't seek to live according to our pleasures and desires, even if they're under God's grace. Because, say, Sydney just became a Christian, which, by the way, she technically is a, a young believer, not not no more than two years. I think it's like three. So no more than four years. Yeah. So still a young believer. So if I do something that offends her, then my liberality now is a, it's a stumbling a stumbling block, and we don't want to do that. And so I think that's that's something that again because churches do not practice what I would consider and from scriptures he has healthy church dis discipline and where people keep each other accountable. It's hard to know exactly your source of identity, your source of joy. And it's hard to know exactly the worth that you are not only imputed with, meaning that the fact that God makes you valuable by creating you and then by indwelling with, within you by the Holy Spirit, 
but also by the fact that we have been given a great calling. Again, going back to Hebrews, right? We are a great priesthood who, who have a great high priest who are now go, uh, you know, going to tell the world of all these wonderful things that he has done and that he's doing in our lives. And so, yeah, transformation is important. Um, I wish more pastors actually taught on that more regularly because I think that would, that would make the defining call all that more clearer. What, what are, do you have any questions, any thoughts, Sydney? Um, not exactly. My thoughts right now is just how Pastor Dan did preach about that transformation kind of com combats just the, the idea of um, coming to church to worship. Mm -hmm rather than um, worshiping because we're the church. Um, and just this idea of, I guess, doing Christianity single-mindedly, but uh, not single-mindedly, um, individually, just as one person, um, and coming together as the church just um, to worship with one another and experience change and edify one another. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, I guess that was just what was coming to my mind, but that's also coming to my mind because I'm reading a book about that. So, yeah. So faster than plus. in my head right now. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently I'm, you know, just right, right in step with with uh, with stuff. That's cool. That's that's awesome. Um, any other thoughts before I make a transition? We're speaking about transition, transition away. Transportation. I, I mean, transportation. Transformation. 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 Yeah. Same. Point A to point B. Um, it's just to say this. It's it's not that the trans the the subject of transformation only occurs uh, here in Colossians chapter two, right? One of the um, one of the the great. Um, one of the great passages of Paul's comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when it, when it talks about, or when Paul is writing to the Corinthians about this element of not just grace, not just faith, but what the presence of the living Christ means uh, within the life of the convert. And mm. that is to say that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Um, your former ways are put to death. You have died to your old ways, and you've been raised to new life in Christ. Amen. Um, there, you know, it's it's an important thing for us to understand, and also, by the way, not just to understand for ourselves, but to to understand in a in a manner of extending grace to um, to people who have come to faith is that who they once were is not who they are in Christ. So mm. um, we, we, we could stand to be more generous and gracious to people who have come to faith, who are, who are shedding the old man or the old woman, so to say, right. um, and not holding against them their former ways. Um, we, we tend to, I think we, we are very quick to receive forgiveness for our own sin, um, but are but are less open to extending that at times to others, and I, I think that that's uh, maybe maybe something to, for for folks who are listening just to think about. You know, you 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 may have a family member or just someone that you go to church with that is 
recently come to faith or maybe a long time ago came to faith, but you can't shake free of the fact that they, they, they acted and did certain things before they came to faith. Right. If they've been redeemed from that, if they've been forgiven from that, there's a measure in which we're called to forgive those things too. Um, and, and to give grace to our brothers and sisters in Christ because they're new creations just as much as you and I and Sydney are. So you're saying that, and I'm thinking of the woman with the issue of blood who ostracized for 10 years, lost everything she had because she was getting care, and all she did was, it, by faith, broke the norms of keeping yeah. away from people and just yeah. touched, the, touched the helm of uh, Jesus' robe and she was immediately healed and he simply restores her back. In one of the Gospels he actually engages with her and says your faith has made you well, go and sin no more. Which also echoes what you're saying happens here to sin less. Well, Jesus every time he heals somebody says go in peace, sin no more. Which is one of those wonderful things. So, So thank you for that. Yeah. So one of the things we want to do is to answer questions we have received uh, a little over a year ago from the youth. And these are great questions that continue to be relevant because of what we see in society t today. And so the first question for today, what is God's plan in all of this? And All of this meaning the world, creation, time, all of it. All of it. What is his plan in all of this? Do you want to go? Let me take a stab at that. We can roast you when you if you get it wrong. Hey, I would rather me be roasted than other people. Okay. <laughs> For any complaints, please send them to Sydney. Asking oh, Carlos no, 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 no. at org. Oh man. Okay. So what's God's plan in all of this? Before I answer that, I'll be sending you a complaint. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Let me check my email. I would say for His glory. Mm. That's my answer. Okay, Pastor Dan. Pretty. Um, I may not be three words in an answer. Um, his, okay. his plan in all of this is the 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 total redemption of all creation, um, and to to set every wrong right in the manner in which he sees fit, and he sees right. Right. Um, and to make all things new. Hmm. So, you know, we, in creation, we know that, that God created in six days all things, and then on the seventh day rested. And upon um, surveying all that he's created, he declared it to be good. Uh, in fact, in some instances, very good. Um, and we know shortly thereafter uh, that sin was introduced into the world that then uh, set out God's plan of redemption, which is not God's plan B. It's been God's plan A all along. Um, and so as, as the world itself, all of creation, is in need of redemption, of reconciliation, of salvation, um, God's plan in all of this is to return all things to, to Him. Um, to reconcile, to restore, um, and to make all things new, and to set everything right, not as you and I define right, but as he defines right. Right. Um, that's his plan. There you go. Next question. Did we answer it right? 
Uh, well, we'll find out from the engagement we get from our audience. But I think that those were good answers. Okay, I thought you were going to be like throwing a buzzer at us or something. No, the the there's no boulders yet hanging from a thread, so that's later. Oh. Does God forgive you if you keep doing the same sin? <laughs> I guess this is dealing with the issue of habitual sins. What's up? What you got? Oh man, I answered the last one. <laughs> Yeah, and you did great. Yeah. <laughs> you did great. Look at him. Yeah. For those that don't know, he's just sitting drinking a Papa Chico smiling. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, Pastor Carlos, what you got? Oh, man. So does he forgive <laughs> you if you keep doing the same sin? Um you know, there's a couple of different ways that I that I want us to think about that that uh, that question that's raised. Um, first of all, every sin can be forgiven. Um, I want to start from there. Um, forgiveness comes as we for, forgiveness comes through what Christ has done in the cross. Um, there is the call upon the disciple or the follower of Jesus to repent of our sin. Um, and repenting means turning from that action. Um, so what I want us to think about right now and when, when, we, when we hear this question is whether we believe that we can continue to give in to that same sin and believe that we're of the faith. Mm. Um, so if you've put on, if you've received, um, in the course of this and receiving faith, you've been indwelled by the Spirit of God. I have to wonder how, how you can be in a scenario where you can continue to keep doing the same sin. This is a very open-ended question, so my mind is going to like, I'm going to do this for whatever number of years I have left in life right now. That's how I'm answering this, okay? Um, the Spirit, one of, one of His um, works within our lives is also to bring conviction to us, to, to bring us to a place where we are aware we need to repent of and to return to Christ in obedience. Mm -hmm. How, how can we continue to do this and not have that spirit-led conviction that causes us to return to him? Right. Um, and so I think that there's a, an approach here that says, I, I think I've put on the jersey, but I want to continue living the way that I have. Um, and that question is actually coming back to something we just talked about. I don't think that that, that, that question comes from, uh, comes with a understanding of what transformation means. It does not mean that we are absent sin, um, but it does mean that the Spirit is going to show to us where the faith that we've received um, is going to bring about within us a an awareness of where we're not in obedience to the king right and if we're not sensing that being shown that something yeah you can keep doing the same sin but you haven't you haven't put on the jersey 
I will add to that in, in a, a wholehearted agreement. I think one of the things that we do not pay attention to is the attitude of humility. And for that we can go to when Jesus is teaching outside the temple and we have the two individuals praying. You have the Pharisee, the teacher of the law, and then you have the the publican, uh, someone who's a sinner. And you have two different attitudes. One who's righteous in everyone else's eyes. I thank you, God, my Father, that I am not like this wicked, sinful man, a publican. And then you have the attitude of the brokenhearted who, even in Scripture, we have this distinction. The description says, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven but beat upon his chest, which is a great a sign of great mourning. Uh, say, and, and simply praying, have pity or have mercy on me, O oh God, a sinner. Uh, not not pretentious, not not pretending that there somehow there was a better quality to him, but simply acknowledging, I, I need someone because I'm not enough. And so uh, to totally agree, and I, I would add that. If for someone who's listening right now, um, if you're struggling with sin, know that your faith demands obedience, right? Faith and obedience are, are lockstep. Um, so if, if you know that you're struggling with a particular sin, obedience to Jesus means eliminating the temptation. I was having a conversation with somebody today who was asking about particular programming on TV that the individual happened to be watching mm -hmm. um, and was wondering how that might create distance between this individual and their relationship with Jesus. Um, and we talked about the content of it and said, yeah, there's, there's a lot here that will draw you away. Right. Um, and I said, well, why does this come about? Why do you select that programming? And the response was, well, I haven't found anything else good to watch on TV. And I said, well, it sounds like you need to stop watching that program. Right. And then the individual said in response, well, what do I watch? And I said, ultimately, you may need to watch your TV leave your house. <laughs> um, right? Pick up a book. Yeah. I like that response. The, be, because the, the point is that if, if temptation is so present that you continue to give yourself to that, you, there, you may sense a conviction, you, you understand the struggle. If to avoid that temptation, we're supposed to flee from temptation. Um, and in that sense, if it's something that's a, a, a fixed appliance in your home, you may not be able to flee from your home because that's your homestead. Make the temptation flee. You know? Right. Um, I, the, the, the thing I added was the television, I don't recall when specifically what year it was invented, but I'm going to guess it's an 80 or 90-year-old invention. Mm -hmm. Thousands of years of humanity survived without a television. And I'm not, I'm not, I and, didn't come in with wanting to beat up a television right and now. And we were smarter. I mean. I, but, but I'm using this just as an example, because uh, by the way, I do think this is a great source of temptation for many of individual. But the point is that if, if that is a source of temptation, you can live very happily without it and you will survive. There's lots of things that we are convinced by our, our sense of modernity that we cannot survive without. And all of those are lies. We can live without a TV. 
$5 cup from Starbucks. Oh, yeah. How about cell phone? Yep. iPads, computers. Anyway. So, uh, I think those are the two questions for today. If not, we're going to go way over 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're using equipment right now. It's just how you use it, and it's how whether it glorifies God or not. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, so Sydney, any thoughts, any questions? Mm -mm. I'll expect your complaint email soon. That's awesome. I was actually going to email you when there I you go. got out of here. There <laughs> you go. Funny. She may or may not have done this episode under duress. Don't worry, her job was still intact, nothing like that. Don't worry, my complaint will be like, I don't know. But at the end it'll say, love ya. <laughs> and I know that she will mean that. Pastor Dan, any closing thoughts? All right, Sydney, would you sign us off? This is Disciple Life, the Bible on everyday life. We love you.